On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment. Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 for Dave and Dijanovic. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. We're back here with part two of our Funding Lab miniseries episode with Ken Nguyen, uh, CEO of Republic, with my co-host and securities lawyer, Josh Soloway. You know, technology, that is social media, as a way to bring awareness, and it doesn't take much more than a single image or a word, a powerful word, that can etch a mark in someone's mind and turns the person into, you know, into someone who doesn't care about a particular cause into uh, into a fervent uh, advocate for that cause. This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview pro athletes, world-class musicians, CEOs, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. Before we get rolling, I want to invite you to get involved with Child Rescue, the charity our founders started. To learn more about them, just come to our website, iCollective.co, and check on the Child Rescue tab on our menu. Also, I want to talk to you about one of our show's sponsors. I met these guys back on Episode 6. CEO Zach Smith was telling me all about starting a skateboard company and how much he hated doing the bookkeeping uh, for a skateboard shop and how he really... Uh, got led to start this business, Bookly, that's a hybrid combining bookkeeping software and human services. And I'll tell you why I let them become a sponsor. It's because I use their service now. I don't love paying 50 bucks an hour for bookkeepers to do stuff that I know software could do way, way cheaper. But uh, I don't love bookkeeping at all. So I want a real live human who knows what they're talking about to help me with the stuff I don't understand. Uh, probably the straw that broke the camel's back for me, though, the thing that put me over the top was that they could do my taxes and payroll also. Um, so totally suggest checking them out. Go to their website, bookly.co, and check out their flat rates. I've been super happy with them. So now on to today's episode. Ken, we, were ta- we left off on our last episode talking about um, the, the joys of entrepreneurship and the sleepless nights you've had getting going here. Um, uh, Josh, I know that you, um, had some thoughts about, uh, entrepreneurship in general and questions about Ken's co-founder. Why don't I let you take over? Yeah, we'd love to hear a little bit more about why, uh, about, uh, about how this came together uh, as a team, hear more about your team and about, uh, the fit. Um, and what that does for you and your clients. Uh, definitely, uh, and, and good to be back. Um, I think it's crucial uh, for founders, for co-founders, to like each other a lot because, you know, you're going to deal with a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. you got to have a foundation of trust and a strong friendship to have a high success or high likelihood of overcoming all of that. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul Menchoff, my co-founder, uh, was a, uh, you know, was the engineer that, that built the uh, fundraising infrastructure uh, at AngelList. And Paul and I, 
uh, were already very close friends. Um, in fact, the entire Angelus team, we're, you know, we're like family, so we uh, vacation together and we work very well together. So from that foundation, and Paul and I both share the same interest in seeing venture capital being more accessible to people. And we have spent, you know, many days, many months uh, talking about it before, before setting out to be a republic. And that personal foundation um, is, is, has, been, has been key. I mean, uh, without someone that you trust to, to share your thoughts and frustration at times, uh, it would be that much more difficult of a process. You know, it, it is, it's funny, as Josh and I have known each other for the last few years, and we worked on this charity Child Rescue together and some other things, um, you know, we, we make the joke a lot about, you know, business partnerships are like marriage, except that the other person isn't as good looking as your spouse. And uh, <laughs> and it's it's something that, you know, I think you see a lot of first-time partnerships take very lightly, but, <laughs> but after that first time, typically people don't take it lightly anymore, right? Um, it can be pretty painful. So, um, you know, we've got a few, you know, Ideation Collective, we've got a couple of other businesses going, we've got our video production arm, we've got our consulting firm, Mylan Advisors. One of the things that we're so interested in as we go around and teach classes about whether it's, you know, mergers and integrations or M&A integrations or sales training or these different things is the kind of conversations that people have. When you, when you think about whether it's um, things that you need to help your co-founder uh, gain expertise on or whether it's leadership development within your own team, growing your team, um, you think about, you know, classes are great, but, but really it's repetition that helps humans, you know, gain internal capability. Can you talk at all about, about your own staff and maybe kind of the headspace you get in so that when you're having a one-on-one -on -one with a staff member that you feel like it's actually going to be helpful to them? Um, yes. And, and uh, harking back to a question that uh, Josh asked a moment ago about what we learn from Angelus and um, staffing is one. The, the culture, which I definitely believe in, is a flat one, a non-hierarchical one. So as a very new, a very early stage company with a small team, I mean, there are five of us full time right now, uh, the hiring process is that you bring in people with domain expertise that supplements the current team's expertise. So my co-founder has expertise in engineering. I understand um, securities law and business rather well. Um, we bring in designers, uh, you know, people on the business development side. So at the earliest of stages, um, you, I don't know that we would have the bandwidth to really onboard and teach people, um, you know, necessary skills, skill set to do their job, but that we want to attract and hire people with that existing expertise. As we scale, though, sharing knowledge, having regular team meetings, um, you know, just now Slack and other portal makes it so easy for people to share, to update each other on where, on where, um, on where everyone stands. And I think that hiring a team that's curious, that's intellectually curious with an open communication platform will automatically uh, enable people to learn what they want to learn and but at the same time each team member has to have a, a one area of expertise that they contribute to to the team um, and so the, in our hiring process for the near future probably will continue to mirror that that track 
Well, um, that makes a lot of sense as far as learning the real skill sets. Um, I think maybe my question is more along the lines of, you know, every startup, there's so many decisions to made to be made and there's so many yeah. uh, new directions and, and problems that come up, um, especially if people aren't sleeping, <laughs> right? Okay. Emotions okay. can run high. When you think okay. about um, any techniques you as a CEO have to check your ego at the door and have, you know, and, and see your coworkers or your co-founders as as a real human being instead of instead of thinking about them as the problem right as you think about um how to check your ego at the door and and resolve conflict when people feel really differently about a big decision that needs to be made and any thoughts about approaching those maybe uh high emotion conversations oh for sure for sure i think that founder dynamics matters a great deal in setting the tone for the company. So if between the two founders, if there's already some underlying you know, disagreement or like tension, that's just going to grow uh, exponentially as the discussion involves more team members. So first and foremost, you know, as founders, uh, any team, you just got to like be transparent. If you have an issue, resolve it among yourself before you involve team members. And then you have already touched on it, Jess, that is uh, just check your ego at the door. And I think that Paul and I view ourselves and all of our colleagues as true equals. We don't view ourselves. I mean, I wear the CEO hat to the outside world. I take everyone's feedback at, with the same credibility and the same way as my own opinion. And I think, you know, Spending some time, whether grab coffee or a drink or get lunch together, or I don't know, just do two days to like Miami or Vancouver, wh whatever, like on, on the social end, to really allow people to see one another as friends and human beings and not, you know, as people wearing different titles in a company. That goes a really, really long way. But at the end of the day, the tone, the dynamic is set very much by the founders. Someone shared with me an interesting scientific fact. I haven't had a chance to verify. So if this is not, this is just an urban legend, please pardon me. But I, I be, you know, he, he's a, a trained uh, doctor, so I believe that's the case. That in a room, if you or I walk into a room, and if our heartbeat is really fast, that is, if we're anxious, if we're nervous, even if everyone is blinded, you know, that somehow other people's heart will beat faster over time. So there's an underlying current and dynamic that when you approach a team meeting, a conversation, and if you're already on edge, it's going to drive everyone else on edge. So, you know, in any case, as, as a team leader, as someone who sets the culture, uh, anyone should, should keep that in mind and kind of like calm yourself and approach every conversation. I think without ego is just the, the best way in any work or personal setting, in my opinion. Well, that's really important. You know, I, I can think of, uh, <laughs> I started off my career in Silicon Valley, and I remember, um, you know, the whole ride, right? Uh, you know, from, from 12th employee to 200 plus, whatever. Uh, and then, you know, when things started cratering and the bubble was bursting and, you know, things were getting tense. And I remember our, our CEO, who was just a great guy and brilliant as they come. Uh, but, you know, he that was a lot of stress and, and you could see okay. it on his face, right? And it okay. takes uh, so many different skills uh, to be in that seat and so much pressure as you're, as you're seeing and will surely see even more. Uh, you know, and just having the wherewithal or the awareness of that 
is is a big advantage to begin with, right? Uh, so I, I commend you for that, for even just recognizing that. How do you I talk agree. about? You know, you talk about and yeah, well, there's no choice, right? How you talk about how important it is and how much you invest your time and willingly into spending time with your your you know co-founders and all your partners in this business. Um, to sort of uh, welcome their feedback and make sure that you're open. How has that helped in terms of improving your bi your business and your product? You know, are there some specific areas where someone maybe came in with a totally different perspective on something or a, a problem that they saw or a potential opportunity um, from their perspective as maybe an engineer or something else that was outside of your realm, um, but maybe you worked it through and, and it really has turned out to be a benefit for public? Um, most certainly, I, I can give you one very specific example um, in with I mean companies across all stages, but particularly in in uh, you know company that that just launched like ours, how to allocate our resources, our time um, into which project? That's a daily question, a daily um, concern. And of course, from the business end, I have my priorities may be different from that of the engineering team. And let's say if I want to deploy engineering resources toward building out a new product, but in talking to the team, they feel very strongly that if they focus on a different thing that I didn't even pay any attention to, that they believe in the long run would enable us to grow our user base more effectively. Um, and rather than go to going in depth on the technicality of what that uh, engineering product is, but you know, I I say fine if you guys uh, believe that that's how you can better spend your time, have a run at it, and we deprioritize what I had on my list, and it turned out to be a really helpful tool for both founders and investor alike, uh, and that's you know related to to enabling uh, founders to use their LinkedIn network to engage their investors. Yeah, I mean that. Well, that's 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 interesting, and I think I can see that hearing that. I can see, you know, I've, I've been interested in our conversations and, and conversations with uh, some of your issuers, um, how innovative you guys are in terms of the way you look at it, especially coming in um, a little quieter, a little more reserved, uh, watching. I felt, feel like you've been waiting and watching the market a bit, um, which I think is really interesting in this space where so many people have been so involved in this for so many years that they're just hitting it so hard. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what that experience is or what that strategy is you seem to be a little more patient uh, certainly i think people uh more than a few have asked us um that we have launched for um for about two months now and why is it that we haven't rolled out more offerings our answer is this it is so new that no one has the answer just yet we're working on one but we still haven't found the true answer as to how to effectively enable entrepreneurs to engage the general public. So with the current four companies, the reason why we're taking a slow approach is so that we can, one, focus our attention in helping them. I wouldn't be able to spend you know, the time that I have with 80 or 40 or even 20 companies. So I want to make sure that I give them the best support that I personally and the team can, can, can uh, as a group, can, can deliver. And secondly, if we, through the current four companies, 
can figure out, and I think we have uh, the recipe to make it work for the current four, that recipe would work for everyone, Be for a lot of them, obviously everyone, meaning mission-driven entrepreneurs, but who may not understand business as well as say the three of us do on, on, on the call right now due to our prior experience. So the R&D process to develop more, we're not just a funding portal, we're building a community with a recipe that if people follow in the future, they're gonna be able to fundraise if they, did, if they do everything that we spell out for them to do. So it's that, um, that product creation process that's, that's taking some time. And we're not here to roll out as many deals as we can in hope of getting as much commission as we can. Of course, we like money and of course we are a business, uh, but our mission is to help founders explore and, and realize the potential of retail crowdfunding. Uh, and, you know, we're working on it and we hope to have some cool update for you guys in a few weeks. So I actually think this is a good place to pause for just a minute to tell you about one of our show sponsors. I was actually pretty excited when Skillshare reached out. You know, a lot of our listeners know I'm a real learning nerd, really into the audiobooks and things like this. And these guys have a ton of great classes. Um, there's like 16,000 classes on their website. But you only pay one monthly price. You don't have to pay per class like a number of the services out there. So it's unlimited access with a low monthly price kind of thing. But the, the breadth of the classes and the quality of them, I'm actually really impressed with. I was on there for just a few minutes and I had like a dozen classes I've, I've saved to take. There's stuff on social media marketing, mobile photography, logo design, just all sorts of things for growing a business or creative things. Um, and what's nice is they're letting me give away a free month. Um, if you go to Skillshare.com slash leader, uh, you can get a free month. Um, the class that I would recommend for sure right off the bat, though, is from Seth Godin. I'm a big Seth Godin fan, read all his books. A lot of my friends are too. But he's got a class on there called The Modern Marketing Workshop that I, I really could not recommend enough. It's, I actually think it's better than a number of his books because it's super broken down, specific how-tos, answer this question for yourself, make a plan, write it down. Um, it's not as much general uh, marketing advice. It's like specific. You need to do stuff different if you watch this. Anyways, Skillshare.com slash leader. Get a free month. There's tons of stuff on there worth checking out. But, but uh, my personal recommendation, The Modern Marketing Workshop by Seth Godin is the one that uh, I think you should at least check out. Anyways, let's get back in the interview. Well, we look forward to that. Um, you know, as I think about innovation and what you guys have done, uh, I think about the the safe product, which the crowd safe, which is really interesting. Uh, can you explain what a, a normal safe is for our audience and what uh, the crowd safe is? Why that? Why you felt that necessary and how that helps both investors yes. and companies? Yes. So before touching on the safe, let me just quickly walk through the equity debt and convertible debt piece. So back in the old day when a company fundraises, uh, you know, they issue equity shares in the company. There's a problem with that, of course, and that's valuation. In the early stage, how do you value? And it's really expensive on the legal end and the accounting end. So the alternative to undertaking all of those expenses is to issue debt. You just borrow money and you pay it back. And 
that's not very interesting for investors. You're just a lender, right? You don't feel as engaged. So uh, there came the convertible debt, which is similar to the debt instrument, except that you don't actually pay back the, the capital when you raise your money at the next equity financing round with a lot of money and valuation is not a concern you convert the loan into equity. It's called convertible debt. There's a problem with that, of course, is that because it's a debt, there's accrued interest. So there's like accounting complication linked to interest. So Y Combinator, of course, a very well-known leading accelerator based in Silicon Valley, come up with what is known as a SAFE. It stands for simple agreement for future equity. So it's essentially a convertible debt without the interest rate. It's an agreement saying that, hey, I'm giving you $100,000 now, and when you raise your next equity financing at Series A, are you going to convert that into preferred shares at that round? There's no interest, and a lot of people deem that to be an equity on their book. There's a problem with all of those four when it comes to um, crowdfunding. And that is, if you at one point convert 10,000 investors into shareholders on your cap table, when you need corporate consent, when you do a merger acquisition, you got to go out there and get consent and approval from all of these people. And just that inconvenience alone would cause venture firm from not wanting to invest in your company. So we call that the cap table problem. The crowd safe that Republic came up with, and I think it's been adopted by a few industry players by now, um, is essentially the safe, except that you defer the conversion down the road. You kick it down the road so that it, you wouldn't convert until there's an IPO, a merger acquisition. That way, investors get the economic upside of being an equity investor, but they would never be shareholders on the company's cap table unless and until the company is ready for that to be uh, to be the case. That's really interesting. Um, and not to go too detailed on it because we'll well, we're, we're running out, we'll run out of time and, and I have too many questions that will bore people and put them to sleep um, because if they're not lawyers. <laughs> but, uh, in any event, uh, that's really interesting, but I, I wanted to touch on that because it was so innovative and such a different sort of uh, way to approach the problem. And it was really an interesting representation of what this space could be about, right? When you look at these sort of your roots in Silicon Valley, uh, your your background, frankly, even uh, with more traditional uh, big law here in New York, you know, it's really interesting because it seems like that's the kind of thing that can only grow out of that kind of, of experience and, and, of course, having a broad-based team. So that's really great. Um, you know, we like to uh, – there are some, some sort of things that we really like to, to ask every, every guest if uh, given the chance, um, some sort of uh, – some might call them lightning round type questions. But um, one of them is, uh, you know, as far as books, and I think Jess touched on this before – um, you know, we're sort of, uh, you know, avid <laughs> readers and learners as best we can be here. And I think our, and clearly our audience is the same. Are there any sort of books or, um, or authors that, uh, thought leaders that, that you follow that have made a big difference for you that you think every entrepreneur should be reading? Um, you know, I do, uh, Paul Graham, 
has a few books out there and uh, I think and every entrepreneur if if you have the time uh, is worth uh, scanning it um, he has a lot of advice and wisdom in there a venture hack it's not a book it's a blog venturehacks.com um, has a lot of information that I think Navo and Nivi uh, distill down and it's you know it's more digestible for people with with uh, less time um, I think there's a book uh, called thinking fast and slow uh, the last name I maybe misspelled it here is called it's a guy named Dan Kahneman I think it's right. K-A-N-E-M-A-N um, and yeah, it just provides a uh, an insight into how people think, um, and I think that works so well. Uh, and had, uh, that book has been uh, tremendous. And looking back, you know, from fundraising to building a team, uh, to think to product strategizing, uh, that book has has an impact. Um, you know, for me, uh, I think venture deals. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, uh, you you're going to fundraise at one point, uh, particularly if you're a tech entrepreneur. So uh, a book by Brad Feld, he's the founder of the Foundry Group, uh, he used to be uh, a key partner of AngelList. It's called Venture Deals, uh, Be Smarter Than Venture Capitalist um, by Brad Feld and Jason uh, Mendelson. Uh, I, I, those are a few that I think uh, would serve founders well. Yeah, and Brad, and just to touch on that too, Brad also does, uh, Brad and Jason also have a class, I believe, um, that goes along with that that's free if people really read it and want to dive in and even, uh, uh, you could know, look up, uh, I'm sure it's on Foundry Group and what have you, but that's a really, I think I agree with you on that, and Brad's been amazing. Um, the, the, as far as, uh, you know, uh, Paul Graham, just if you could just, what are the sort of, uh, types of lessons or any specific, what are the books that, that, that he's written that, that really resonate with you? You know, even in the most recent book, uh, the title skipped me for just a second. Uh, I was scanning through it. Uh, in his most recent book, and he was talking about the the three stages of, of um, you know, Paul Graham provides, I think, insight on the industry for me, as opposed to uh, Dan's book, which provides insight about, like, human psychology. And the way that he paints, like, crowdfunding, the waves of innovation, you know, how the first wave is that everyone just, anything goes, and then the regulators start honing in, and how to deal with that, um, I, I, you know, I can quickly search. But this is the latest book. Uh, if you go on Amazon and you look at uh, Paul Graham's latest book, uh, I, again, I, is I that don't hackers the and title, hackers and painters? Does that sound like? Yep, exactly. Hackers and painters, and I think there's a there's a section in there that uh, you know that, that draws a parallel across different industry. But the big picture um, analysis that he lays out, I have always found to be very helpful. He has also touched on you know, diversity and inclusiveness, inclusive entrepreneurship, um, which is, which are two core themes of Republic's mission. Uh, so, so there's a, a relevance there from the business angle for me as well. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's good. So we'll have to check that out too. That's one that, uh, at least just maybe you have, you read everything. I haven't, I haven't read that one yet. So that's on my list. Yeah. Um, well, that's great. Um, and as far as there's a little, this one's a little off the wall, but we'll, we'll ask you anyway, as I've mentioned before, and I think Jess has as well, you know, Jess and I are involved, uh, with a charity that he, uh, his brother's wife and others, uh, started called Child Rescue, um, which, uh, really has done some incredible work, 
and I don't say that to congratulate myself. I say to congratulate Jess and the team. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm just uh, an advisor, but um, but really does some great work to save uh, uh, kids from from trafficking and sex trafficking in particular. Um, obviously, a lot of that work is around raising awareness. Um, for example, you, you know, Jess, when you first told me about this. Uh, we were having dinner here in New York, and um, he sort of told me about this. He talked about the stats, which sort of blow your mind. And then he, said, he really brought my attention to uh, look at the number of times when you're reading a story or you see in the news uh, the term underage prostitute is used, right? Or child yeah. prostitute. And you look at it, and it sounds like a choice. And then think of if you just change the word to trafficking victim. And it was so interesting because something I'd never really noticed that, frankly, as you know, before, all of a sudden I see it everywhere, right? It's like, uh, you know, it's just that that happens all the time, right? So that's about awareness as an example. Um, obviously, there are also other things like we have missions going in and getting kids. Are there any, but we like to ask entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs are such out-of-the-box thinkers and have such diverse experience bases. You know, for advice, because we are always looking for good ideas to do things better and differently. It's such an important mission to us. Do you have any advice as you hear about that, about how you would approach um, sort of contributing to that mission, you know, whether it's raising awareness or fundraising or anything else? I mean, it's a, it's a difficult but uh, really important question. I think that once we all live in our, you know, we, all of us, uh, I'm sure the three of us here on the call, and I'm sure much of the audience, uh, we've won like, the lottery of life to be in the U.S. during this incredible, you know, time and this moment of time in history and space uh, and and have the luxury of electricity and a modern home. And, and we're kind of aware of problems around the world. But a lot of us, due to our daily life, you know, it's, it may be not even a passing thought. So if there are ways, and there are, to once to impress or to present the misery of life in, in you know, in the crevices around of, of human existence around the world, I think that human by nature, uh, we're good people at heart, and we empathize, and 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 we would do things if we if if they're in front of us, and we think should be done or are wrong or should be fixed. Uh, but that how to get that that message, that image, that miserable experience of someone else that 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 we think should be alleviated. Uh, I, I think through partnership, through uh, social media is a very powerful tool. Uh, you know, even on Instagram, as people browsing mindlessly through their friends' pictures, vacationing wherever, and if you showcase a child uh, who's a traffic, you know, trafficking victim, I think the, all of those things can be a compelling reminder that we all have a responsibility. We're all in this together. We're all on this one earth together, and we have a responsibility with one another. So it's just, I mean, I don't have any, uh, you know, any product insight aside from a belief in partnership and a belief in, you know, technology that is social media as a way to bring awareness. And it doesn't take much more than a single image or a word, a powerful word that can etch a mark in someone's mind and turns a person into, you know, into someone who doesn't care about a particular cause into uh, into a fervent uh, advocate for that cause. Uh, I certainly have been 
um, have benefited from a few accidental um, reminder of, of things that, that deserve support and attention and that I, over time, have become a supporter of those causes. Yeah, actually, uh, I would love to hear for, for a minute um, about now. Can you tell everybody what it is and, and how you came on as a founding advisor? Um, certainly. So now Venture is a new venture fund. Uh, that's a collaboration between AngelList and uh, a friend and, uh, you know, someone I admire very much, a, a young lady, a woman named Shiza Shahid. She was uh, the CEO and is a co-founder of the Malala Fund, Malala being the youngest Nobel Prize winner. She had, she was in McKinsey uh, when Malala was shot and she left her job uh, and helped Malala build what was a tragedy into a story, a message of strength and built, helped build a platform uh, that, you know, empower um, young girls around the world and give them education. So she's, uh, uh, after Malala received the Nobel Peace Prize, uh, she's uh, now re, uh, you know, reallocate her focus into entrepreneurship, that rather than working on the nonprofit end, she believes, uh, and I definitely share the same belief, that do good and do well, that you can do a lot of good in the world through entrepreneurship, through business, that you don't have to be a charity in order to do good. And so her Now Venture Fund is not a social impact fund, but it's a mission-driven venture fund that she's raising and will close very soon that would focus on mission-driven entrepreneurs, um, you know, around businesses around the world. Uh, so we have been friends for... Uh, for a couple of years, and uh, she's she's uh, is an advisor to Republic, and I uh, I'm an advisor to to her now fund. Um, so yeah, this this an aligning uh, aligning mission on both of our organizations, our companies. Absolutely, and we should talk about that offline because a big thing that Jess and I talk about a lot, or at least a theme, is um, you know because we have teams that go in and actually get these girls um, out, these well, and boys out. Um, and of course, that's the starting line, right, for the rest of their life. It's, it's not a finish yeah. line by any stretch. And a lot of that has to do with self-respect, self-reliance, um, and, and the ability to support oneself. And, and then, of course, trying to build a community so that they can uh, bring in others, the next generation, you know, the next group, so to speak. Um, and we think about how, what can we do, who can we partner with to create vocational exactly. trainings that lead to real life. And so I'd love to talk to you and Jess, I'm sure we'd love to talk to you about uh, the work that, that you guys do to and how we might feed in because that could be tremendous. And if I may just touch on that point a little, even in our society in America, there's a huge gender disparity when it comes to education in science, technology and engineering. I mean, by the age of 10 or so, if, and I'm speaking on obviously, uh, you know, a, a gross generalization here on average, but a girl, a 10-year-old girl, if she gets a C in math, the message is often, well, you know, focus on writing and art, whereas a boy would be encouraged to try a little harder to do more. In fact, if you look at magazines for young boys and young girls, you can see where the media or where our social construct has you know, frame their mind in a way that discourages women or girls to go into engineering and science. And this is not to, to, uh, 
to, to talk about another company on Republic, but Razia uh, is one of the four companies, and her product is a race car that teaches girls specifically uh, engineering, science, and, 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 uh, and technology. And I think there's so much that can be done, and the more that we level the playing field for entrepreneurship, the more ideas uh, that will get validated and given a chance to succeed, and the more, the better. I think our world will change. Uh, so I think our work uh, will go a long way, and I'm so grateful for both of you, Jess and, and Josh, to uh, to uh, you know to have me today and to, to for your work in in bring awareness to all of these important issues. No, I think obviously we're big fans of what you're doing. Um, I mean, you, you look at your issuers um, and uh, whether it's Farm from a Box or, or Racia, but obviously Youngry. I mean, they're the only folks we've had on the yeah. show twice. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so we think that you're doing super interesting things and things that matter to the world also and, and really happy to have you on. So thanks for making time for us. Thank you. Uh, anytime. Uh, we're happy to be back uh, if I can be helpful uh, to uh, ideation uh, in any way. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks, Ken. Bye-bye. That was part two of our interview. If you missed part one, please go back an episode and download the episode before this one for the first half of the interview. As always, please check iCollective.co for show notes of things referenced during the interview and to learn more about our guest. And if you're interested, we'd love to have you learn more about the charity Child Rescue. Go to the menu page on iCollective and click on Child Rescue. Thanks so much. Get to Old Navy for star-spangled style. Right now, everything's on sale, up to 60% off. That's right, get everything from tees, shorts, dresses, and swim, all at 60% off. Now till July 7th at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid through 7-7, select styles only.